0: Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Remember the old song, give me that old time religion? Well, this nation's old-time religion isn't making the transition to a new-time religion very well. There's a shift happening in spiritual circles, and it's bringing some good news and bad news to society. Here to explain is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what is going on?
1: Well, what's happening is the Bible speaks of it, but I also like poetry. And Matthew Arnold, in the poem Dover Beach, spoke about the sea of faith Receding, mm. and there's no question that in the modern world, which is characterised, at least in the West, by increased not education, then knowledge of many things, yes. has really driven out religion. People have become self-sufficient, believing that human progress and the standard of living that we enjoy, are, you know, are all something to have now, and religion is of another order. They don't need God when they're in the trench or when they're ill, perhaps, but, you know, society's drifting away from it, and it's radically changing the whole church-state conundrum.
0: Well, let's let's have a little foundation here. You and I are both old enough to have had toes in both of those seas, the old-time and the new-time religion. What was our old-time religion based upon? In other words, what was it that was holding it up that seems to be slipping away today? I think people had
1: an assumption that the church was a more integral part of society than today. Mm-hmm. Tradition and what your your parents and others thought and what your society held, you, you accepted it. And maybe one illustration now is the attraction in the West of other religions from other countries. Now, it's their right. There's no reason that couldn't be so. And in fact, if you believe that the faith that you and I hold, say, is the correct one, then you want people to be able to change.
0: Yes. <laughs> but yes. in
1: the past... Religion was identified with a society or with a culture that was your religion. You were born into it, and you didn't think to change. But today, uh, people are mostly departing from religion, but a lot of them are joining far afield philosophy in the the 60s and, and I think into the 70s. That was happening in the U.S. with the New Age movement and Eastern mysticism and so on. And I think it reflected not just a curiosity on religious matters, but the fact that they were not finding their inherited religion satisfying. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, not finding their inherited religion satisfying, what makes a religion satisfying? I mean, you're a pastor as well as an editor. You have many hats that you wear. You are a spiritual leader. How do, how do you make, or how do you try to make, religion and spirituality attractive to the old-timers and then we'll probably get into this. How would we make it attractive to the new timers these days?
1: Well, that's the the big question that all churches are struggling with. Yes. How do you get the next generation? I mean it's it's not a new challenge and, and whether it's religion or, or the values of the past, all cultures right back to the to the Romans lamented that the young don't seem to yes, buy into what the true. parents like. Yeah. So there's an element of that. Each generation reinvents itself. But as I as I said before I think so many social norms have been shaken in the 19th, 20th, and now 21st centuries. The industrialization, the rise of not so much, well, knowledge has increased, but more importantly, the accessibility of knowledge has increased, Mm. and and people are just uh, submerged in it. And in this sort of a context, religion doesn't draw them the same way. And, of course, there's been the role in the 20th century of the two great wars, but particularly World War I, disillusioned people in the West to a great degree.
0: You know, you brought up something interesting, because I was thinking about this just the other day. What has changed in society that makes us so cynical and makes us go in so many different directions? And that is that knowledge is running to and fro on this earth. We used to, you and I, when we were young, we would have a few books from a a bookstore, or we'd hear a sermon here and there, and we, we did not even know about these other ways of looking at and worshiping God. Today, you just fire up Facebook, turn on your computer, and you can have an abundance of different ways of doing what we've been doing all along, and we, get, we begin to say, "Whoa, maybe my way isn't the best way. Am I on the right track? Yeah, there's one of that.
1: You're yeah. quoting Daniel, of course, doesn't he say that knowledge will be increased yes. and men will run to and fro. Yes. It's not real clear whether he meant that they physically would run all over the world, which we're doing now. I've just yes. gotten back from Washington State, flowing across the country in a few hours. Yeah. It's not clear whether he meant that or that their eyes would be roving through the literature. But both are happening, and we've been cut loose from the past. Let me tell a story to to our listeners that I think illustrates a very clear shift in how people look at religion. There was a a, a case a few years ago of a missionary. His name was John Allen Chow, spelled interesting, C-H-A-U. He was killed while proselytizing the Sintelese tribe. Hmm. This was a tribe that had hardly had any contact with the West, an isolated people group, and he uh, went to try to share with them. He hired a fishing boat, which illegally took him to the remote island where they were living, and when he arrived, he was shot by a bow and arrow. Hmm. Now, you would think that this would be... You, know, you wouldn't admire it because it's a horrible crime, but yes, that but, but his sacrifice would have been seen as something special, trying to share faith. The Washington Post, writing on this, said that his story sparked international outrage because he had violated the protected tribal community. Mm.
0: In other words, his showing up there to spread the gospel wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. It was he was showing up there to spread his gospel. That was the problem.
1: Right, so that's how it's seen now, uh, right? Okay. But think back uh, what many of our listeners perhaps can remember. In 1956, Life magazine wrote a 10-page article on the story of Jim Elliott, a missionary to Ecuador. Right. He was killed, again, I think by an arrow as he flew in to try to contact this tribal group that really had no contact with the West. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to, again, spread the knowledge of Christ, his religious view. His wife later moved to the area where he was killed, and she carried on his legacy. And I don't know, I've often read the story and wrote about it, and it's been a bestseller. And it's been called by the New York Times, the definitive inspirational mission story in the second half of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's changed? Yeah. Obviously, there's a few decades in between. A martyred missionary, in one case, was lauded and, and, and seen as a great hero. And today, a meddler.
0: Yeah, yeah. We seem to have gone overboard on the protection of personal rights, and religion is kind of a disruptor of uh, personal rights. Would I be right in saying that?
1: Well, some people see that, Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's a disruptor of the right to be free of religion. <laughs> yes,
0: that's true. That's true. I mean, we we want to come in and say, you know, God loves you, and you can change your life, and you can become a better person than you are. But for some reason, that whole concept is is interruptive of my life, as opposed to supportive of my life. Yes, that's
1: right. Yeah. Another symptom of of what we see is a turn against religious expression is in the schools yes, in the United yes. States. I think the attitudes are the same elsewhere, but it's played out differently in the U.S. because of the First Amendment, which creates a a barrier between church and state of each impinging on the other's territory. Often teachers get very zealous about this, unlawfully zealous, I must say. But like there was a fifth grader recently who was prohibited from giving out invitations to other students to a church Christmas party. Mm -hmm. It just seems sort of petty, doesn't it, it for the teacher to do that? And another teacher accused of belittling the student's religion, calling creationism religious superstitious nonsense. If my parents were teaching me something at home, and then I go to school, and the teacher berates our religious worldview, that would be very demeaning, I think. So this is the sort of expressions of religious prejudice, we once called it, but it's, it's going under the guise of sometimes separation of church and state, which I am for, and Liberty argues for, but it can be done in in a very antagonistic way.
0: You know, Lincoln, this is not new. I've been a missionary. My folks have been missionaries. And many times we would go to a country, and basically the country is saying to us missionaries, what are you doing here? We have a fine religion that we all enjoy here. Don't come in here and do this to us. We're now hearing that same kind of sentiment in this country with our own people. Am I right? Absolutely. Okay.
1: And, and the attitude that you spoke of in other countries had a, a grain of truth in it. Yes. They saw the religion as integral with who they were as a people and their society, which it often is, but it shouldn't take away their individual right to hear another viewpoint.
0: Yeah, true. Right. True, yeah.
1: And there's no question that a little bit before your, yours and my time, since we're getting personal. <laughs> but in the the age of the um, imperial outreach of, of the different European powers, right. religion there's no question was the handmaiden of empire. Mm-hmm. Missionaries were used sometimes w- without them seeming to realize it, other times very consciously to sort of westernize and to, to soften up the local resistance to the more than just to religious, new religious views, but to the uh, to the rule of an outside power and there's a reaction against that there's no question
0: Okay, we have just a couple of minutes left in the program here. So what do we do, Lincoln? We're a Christian. We want to go out there and we want to show people the love of God and, and tell them about Christ. How do we do that in this new well, time we religion?
1: insert religion back into our social consciousness. Hmm. There's a great quote here from Dwight D. Eisenhower, who I don't think was a particularly religious person, but he said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her rivers, and it was not there, in her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there, in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there, in her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. Mm. America is great because she is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Wow. That's an interesting concept. Amazing I don't idea. believe in American exceptionalism, but any nation that is deeply spiritual and committed to religious values, I think, is the better for it.
0: You know, listening to you say these things, I realize something that uh, my dad taught me many years ago, and that is to, if we go into a country and we want to share God's love, go into that country, set up your housekeeping, and be kind, and be loving, and be accepting, and be nurturing, and do not disrupt, but instead inspire with our own personal life that's a sermon we all need to be preaching and if we were preaching those sermons here in this country today we wouldn't be having that problem am i on the right track
1: yeah, absolutely yeah. and it's something that uh, all of us need to think about and to exemplify in in our personal lives mm-hmm. it's fine to decry something but we have a certain individual power to turn back a bad tendency in this case
0: Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, thank you so much for being with us today. Listener, we have a website for you, libertymagazine.org. Listen to these programs, subscribe to the magazine, read the articles. They're all right there at libertymagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258, or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.